warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Hammer, that's vodka and orange juice. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Wait, that's a screwdriver. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. Listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. These are other kids. This is just an accident. Just a couple of wild punks out raising hell.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 82 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? What? Shit. I... <laughs> it's going great. I just got uh, pounced on by a cat, but... <laughs> okay. Smooth intro, as usual. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, I think he found the uh, the wires coming off the headphones particularly enticing. It kind of scared me a little. I was a little, a little scared there. Do we need to start over? or are your pants, No, no, we're good. We're your good. pants okay? Are you still dry? Uh, yeah, mostly. For the most, you know, at least 80% of my clothing is dry. Okay. 70, 75%. Dude, I booked my trip. You, you I, booked your trip? You're coming to Seattle? I booked my trip to Seattle, I think. <laughs> I, I either booked my trip to Seattle or I bought a 40-foot crate of chutney. <laughs> Not sure which. I See, what happened was I went to Southwest Airlines' website and tried to... <laughs> Stay with me here. I tried to use it to book a trip, which isn't something you can actually do with their website anymore, apparently. And I, I get to pick my flight and my hotel and my rental car. You know, you push a little, I'd like to buy now button. And click it. And then I get this error, the unknown error. And it said on the screen, if this hasn't happened before, just try again. And if you keep getting this error, well, then call this number. Oh, that's weird. So I tried again, error. And I tried several different ways, kept getting the error, so I called the number. Hey, remember the good old days when you could call Southwest Airlines and it would ring a couple of times and then someone would answer the phone? God, those were the days. No, you got to call, and then I sit on hold for a goodly long time. And finally get a person on the phone, and I explain to them the situation. Use the site, try to book the trip. Aired out, called the number, so here I am, I'm calling you. And the person on the other end, I swear to God, they, they tell me, huh, I really don't know what's happening with that. I can't help you. You just really need to go back and try to use the site again. <laughs> nice. And so I said to them, I said, okay, let me get this straight. I, was, I didn't raise my voice or anything. I said, let me get this straight. Let me see if I understand this. Try to use your website to book a trip. The site doesn't work. It gives me a message to call this number for assistance. And when I reach a human at this number, the assistance that I'm given is the human tells me to try to use the site again. Is that the long and short of it here? And she actually saw that perhaps I was getting at something that I'd figured out that she just didn't want to do her fucking job. <laughs> and so she she helped me. Oh. And after after a while of clicking and asking and apologizing and clicking some more, she goes, oh, okay, I, I booked your car. I go, okay, great. More clicking, more waiting, more asking. I just, you know what? I cannot help you with your hotel reservation. You, you just, you know, it's a different system. You have to call this other 800 number. Fine. So I hang up with her. Now, I've already used the site and gone through one operator. I call this other number. Sit on hold for a while. Finally, a human answers. Explain to her the situation. She says, Oh, gosh, I can't help you. You, I could help you if you had a reservation already and you needed to change it. But since you don't have a reservation, there's nothing I can do. Which you wouldn't need her help if you had a reservation already. Right, by using the website or the number that the website told me to call, none of which actually does what it's supposed to do. So she goes, okay, you, you know, you need to call this 
other number, this other number, and they can help you out. Fine. So I call this other number. Now, unlike the first two, the Southwest Airline numbers I called, I actually get a person on the phone pretty quick. But it becomes apparent to me in no time that I am no longer dealing with Southwest Airlines. I'm dealing with a call center in India that's like generic. We take calls for less. They probably are the call center for 50, 60 different companies. And the woman I've got on the phone there, she's she doesn't know Southwest from nothing. I'm just a I'm just a window on the screen. So I explain to her my situation and what's going on. And also, unlike the Southwest Airlines people, this person really does not speak English, hardly at all. And I don't speak Farsi. So we're at a bit of an impasse here. Granted, her English is a hell of a lot better than my Farsi. So we slowly kind of muddle through what's happened and what I'm trying to get done. And because she's not really in the Southwest Airlines system, I've got to spell out everything to her again, like spell my name and my address and my credit card number. And she's having a hell of a time understanding me. So I've got to go really slow and repeat myself a lot. Because of your thick Californian brogue? Right, because, (laughs) silly me, I tried to use an American Airlines website in America to book a ticket from one part of America to another. You know, God bless her, she probably speaks 75 different languages, and I don't, but God damn it, I just want to book this trip. So, I'm trying to spell my last name, which has a lot of letters in it. And, and most of them are vowels. It's, it is a, it's a train wreck of a last name. I admit it. She goes, okay, uh, C. Is that C as in Sierra or F as in Tomahawk? <laughs> I don't how, just, I really don't know. I hope I booked a trip to Seattle. I hope so, too, because it would be nice to have you here for your own film festival. It would. I want to be there. Then again, if I did buy a big-ass trade of chutney, chutney party! <laughs> well, we'll have more prizes to give away. Yes, and the winner of the 40-foot <laughs> container of mango chutney is... <laughs> Remember, you have to take your prizes out of the building after you win them. You cannot leave them behind. <laughs> you cannot leave them at the big picture. They frown upon that. They frown upon more than, say, three metric tons of chutney left at the theater. <laughs> Mango or otherwise. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you wrapped up your transaction. So, what? Are we going to do a show? Are we? Is this live? This, this thing's on. And uh, oh. let's talk a little bit about the music tonight. Now, All right. through a last-minute machination, we were able to feature a band that it, it didn't occur to me to try to, but I've been a fan of this band for a long time. This band is the Helicopters, a hard-rocking band from Sweden. And a big fan, I have all their stuff on CD, and uh, at the last minute we needed music, and I was able to get a hold of Sub Pop Records, so we're going to be featuring some stuff off their first three albums, which are amazing, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the band in a bit. Very cool stuff, super exciting. Wow, way to go. I don't know this band. I know Sub Pop, and I do know their album cover because it has a naked lady on it, and I'm a big <laughs> fan of the naked ladies. Now, that was one of their singles, actually. Now, this band was remarkably prolific. They only put out, I think, six albums total. 
six uh, albums of original material, an album of covers, but they did like over 40 singles. Wow. So for a time period, they were super prolific, and the uh, image on the website was uh, kind of a remix of one of their album covers. So props to the helicopters. And the album cover designer. Now, dude, let's talk a little bit, since you were already talking about coming to town, why don't we talk about the film festival and uh, some of the stuff that's going on? Let's do it. All right. Well, first off, as you well know, uh, tickets are on sale now for the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, which will take place on April 21st, 2012, a Saturday, at the Big Picture Theater in Redmond, Washington. Uh, we've already mentioned that we're selling tickets for uh, 25 bucks in advance up until April 13th, uh, where the, they will go to 30 bucks, Or you can pick up our enormous package, which will entitle you to Autograph CDs from both Death Star and Burning of Eye. A limited edition t-shirt, which have just gone to the printer. They look super awesome. Our poster poster and our t-shirt art was done by the incredible Steve Wands, who is an artist who uh, has worked with Drunken Zombie doing some stuff for them. He's also a letterer for DC Comics. Just an amazing individual. Writer of the book Stay Dead. This guy's a renaissance man. He's in a band as well. Uh, We featured some of his music a while back. So really cool guy. It was awesome to work with him on this, kind of collaborating on the art. And it turned out so much better than our original scribblings. I'm just Mm -hmm. thrilled. So I hope you uh, check out the shirt. And if you like it, pick one up. Uh, yeah, we flirted with the idea of me doing the t-shirt art. I am so glad we got an actual artist to do it. It's amazing what a guy who has skills can do. Yeah. Man, it's just like, oh, yeah, I wanted this, you know. Often. Yeah, we want this thing with trees and some gravestones. What do you think? Poof. It's almost like alchemy. This guy whips up this amazing poster. So thanks so much to Steve Wands. A little bit more about our sponsors. We haven't really announced. Now, you know that the Bone Bat Film Festivals has... <laughs> the Festivals has? Yeah. I've got a little bit of leftover Mac and Jacks from our Super Bowl party. Thoroughly enjoying it. My tongue may get really limber here soon. Oh. So, uh, you know, the Bone Bat Film Festival has the awesome movies. We've got Mole Man of Belmont Avenue. We've got Monster Brawl. We're going to have a ton of fantastic shorts. You know we've got the killer music. But what we also have, I mean, we've got 11 hours of awesome lined up. And we know that you're going to need more. So we've got your refreshments dialed with Flying Saucer Pizza. They're going to be selling pizza once again at the festival. We've got Mac and Jack's Breweries, also a sponsor again. So we're going to have some beer on special all night long. Also, Theo Chocolate, the gourmet chocolate bar of Seattle, is also a sponsor of the Bone Bat Film Fest as well as Jones Soda's Whoop-Ass Energy Drink. Yeah. So we're going to keep you fed and wired for 11 straight hours. You're going to be digging it. We're going to have so much great stuff going on, and you won't miss a moment. Now, on top of that, killer prizes. Last year, of course, we had Games and Gizmos and Scarecrow Video, who delivered awesome prizes for us to give away. But this year, we've added to the mix Oni Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Paizo Games, and Black Library, as well as play and trade with some video game gift certificates so dude we are loaded for bear with awesome prizes prizes up the yin yang in addition we've got some promotional partners who are helping this whole thing happen gt printing equipment the city of redmond stalker farms field of screams a personal favorite of ours 
Seattle Film Institute, and Big Picture Theater. So everybody is coming together to make an awesome event for you. So since it's for you, show up. Now, in addition to that, we're throwing in another event. Can you believe this? What? Saturday, March 17th. You get remember the bone battle, Gord? I remember the bone battle. The bone battle last year on the podcast is a five-game tournament between Gord and I. Gordon smoked me four games to one. You got Smoked crushed. me like a salmon. You got and crushed like a great. This year, we're taking the event live. Yeah. March 17th, live bone battle gaming tournament. Come out to Games and Gizmos in Redmond and play games against Gord and I. It's going to be awesome. Wait, me there? You there. Gord oh, will be here. Holy Steve mother will be there. Crap. I have got to try to use Southwest Airlines again. <laughs> exactly. Lord. You Which, know, it's not like I'm trying to do something unconventional. It shouldn't be this confusing for them. I didn't call them up and say, hey, I need you to tongue punch my dog blossom. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, and I wouldn't expect <laughs> them to either. I'm just trying to book a trip. I think you should go directly through your Indian connection. <laughs> fly through fly through uh, Bombay, maybe? Mumbai, no, just call call them first. Just skip the website. right to the chase. Exactly. Say, hey, remember me. You just hey. set up a flight for me. Listen, it would really help me out if you could just set up this other flight, too. Yeah. Gord here. I'm sure. What, oh, you're not the person I talked to? <laughs> you're only the most populous democracy in the world. I'm sure someone there knows me. I'm sure they'll be able to help you out. So, yeah, come to the Bone Battle. This is going to be really All fun. Right, I'm going to come. I'm honestly, gonna come. I'm bringing my crate of chutney. Honestly, I don't know what to expect. This is the first time we've taken this live, but it seems like an awesome thing to do. And, I mean, since we're never going to get picked for the Omegathon at PAX, nope. why not make our own? Yeah. That's the way I look at it. We're like the Alpha-thon. We don't have to do the Omegathon. <laughs> we do. We'll just be the Bone Battle. Oh, okay. What about the Iota-thon? Speaking of which, uh, one last thing. We will be giving away some film festival tickets as the grand prize of the Bone Battle. So You mean I could win a ticket to the Bone Battle? You could win a ticket to the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. Oh, good. Nice. I want to go to that. Yeah. So, dude. <laughs> dude. After all that, is there really anything that pisses you off these days? Is there anything that doesn't piss me off? <laughs> really? You know what pisses me off? besides trying to use Southwest Airlines to book travel, is my dishwasher. I mean, long-time listeners know that I essentially took my entire downstairs, threw it in the garbage can, and replaced everything from the floor to the ceiling in the downstairs of my house. One of the things I replaced was my dishwasher. I took a perfectly functional, though cheap, low-end dishwasher which I donated to Habitat for Humanity. I didn't throw it away. It's washing dishes in somebody's house right now. No, I I got rid of that, and I got a really nice, pretty, expensive dishwasher, which it costs a lot of money, looks beautiful, doesn't wash dishes. It is the trophy wife of the dishwasher (laughs) world. I hate this thing with the white-hot intensity, the thousand burning suns. There's nothing I can do to make this thing wash dishes. And there's a lot you can do to it. you got to adjust the levels of salt inside of it. Salt. What? Yes. So it has its own, like, intrinsic water softener? Yes. 
and and there there's different there's computers and there's instrumentation and Lord, you know what? You think you spent a bunch of money on a dishwasher? It would be simple to use. You'd have like the Steve Jobs version. There's one button. It's a picture of a clean dish. You push it. I <laughs> wash. Uh, yes, I would so like that. God, I hate this thing. And it's weird what it doesn't clean. It doesn't clean like the high tide mark on your coffee cup. You have a cup of coffee. You know, you finish drinking, but you still have some in there at the end of the day. You go put it in. There's that little brown ring. It's water-soluble, real easy to come off. Scrub it right off with your finger. Dishwasher won't clean that off. <laughs> and it's like something that you actually, a dirty dish that you make every day. Yes. Yes, it's not <laughs> rare. It's like, oh, hey, coffee cup. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, well, we don't, we don't do the turkey pan all the time, so it's not a big deal. But, yeah, the coffee cup. God, I hate that thing. We're having service tech guy come out we'll see what he has to say i have so much anger i have so much hatred what about you what pisses you off you know what pisses me off is through my various hobbies the film fest and the podcast i'm constantly contacting record labels and film studios and artists and creators of all different sorts video game companies to, you know, feature them on the show or ask them questions about their product or whatever. And the thing that really, really pisses me off is the online contact form. Oh, yeah. There is nothing that says, fuck you, like an online contact form. If I click on the button that says contact a company and an online co contact form comes up, I just cringe. Because 95% of the time, I never, ever hear back from those fucking things. It, yeah, is. it should just be a picture of a big flaming middle finger. I think it should contact say, us. Cont nah. yeah, no, yeah, contact us, click here, and then you click there, and there's a brick wall with spray painted on it. Psych! <laughs> At least I'd appreciate the comedy. But you, you go in and you type in the thing. Almost always, if I have an actual email, even if it's info at whatthefuck.com, if I email somebody, a lot of times I'll actually get a reply back. It may not be the person who's supposed to, because I've got a legitimate thing to talk to them about most of the time. It's not just some weird spam. It's, hey, I've got a thing that's going on. Do you want to be part of this? Yeah, you know, give me more information. I'll hear back. But if it goes into a, uh, an online contact form, it's just like throwing it down a black hole. Man, that pisses me off. It's so frustrating. In, this, in the digital age. And it, it's almost if you have one of those, why not just say, hey, you know what? We don't take contacts. Why the farce? Why the... The whole charade <laughs> of... <A> charade. <laughs> this is not a charade. No, just an online contact form. <laughs> why, why even pretend that you give a fuck what people want to say to you? Just don't have it. Or have an email that says info at whatever and have an intern answer it. Come on, yeah. people. Where it says contact us, you just hover over it and it says don't. Nah! That pissed me off. So, dude, do you have a political rant this week? You know, I do have a political rant. I'm thinking about stuff. I'm seeing what we're doing all over the world, and we're trying to nation build here and election influence there and shape these these countries as they form out of chaos of, of recent government overthrows. And I kind of cringe. I just go, people need to look at the long game here. Now, think back way back, like to before you were born, if you can. 
at the end of World War II, the United States had a wee little problem, and it wasn't the whole rebuilding of Europe problem, and it wasn't the whole unflattening of Japan thing. No, the problem we had was that the communists were taking over China, and this was bad because we had been China's friend. We helped them out. We went over and killed a bunch of Japanese people for them. We had our people in China. We had our stuff in China. We had companies in China. It was like a place that had pretty good thing going on with us. And all of a sudden, the people in charge of China changed, and they did not want to be our friends. They did want our stuff, and they took it, and they wanted us to get the fuck out. And we pretty much had to. Now the people who were our friends, they fled to Taiwan and they set up shop there. And for years and years, the United States pretended that Taiwan was China. We pretended like that was the government of China, and the whole freaking rest of the country was somehow magically not China because they were communists, and our philosophy was communism's bad stuff. So we sold. Guns and boats and planes to Taiwan, and we refused to acknowledge that the the People's Republic of China was what it was, and we even threatened mainland China with violence if they attacked our friends in Taiwan, the real China in our minds. Why? Because the People's Republic of China, the PRC, were communists, and quite frankly, the communists didn't have a really good track record. They didn't believe in individual property or democracy or religion or any of the stuff that we hold dear, and they had a real nasty tendency just to kill the people that disagreed with them, and that's people like us, people like our friends in Taiwan. History progressed. We had a fight, China and us. We fought. We killed each other, and all the while we had a bigger, slower, less violent fight going on. So while we were pitting our military against their military in Korea, Vietnam, and Cambodia, we fought them philosophically in Taiwan. The thought was that because China was communist, it could not prosper economically, whereas Taiwan could embrace capitalism and open markets under our protective wing, and in doing so, it would prosper. And by prospering, it would show the People's Republic of China that communism was wrong, it was bad, it wasn't working. The thought was that with economic success, democracy would follow. Open markets and profit motives would usher in prosperity, and with it, democracy. And the inevitable flood of goodwill towards us, apple pie, Jesus, maybe even an alliance against the godless communists of the Soviet Union. And with that little toehold in Taiwan, communism could not stand in the face of the truth with the capital T: markets do not lie. The problem is that we were only half right. Taiwan prospered. China saw the light. It opened its markets a bit. It allowed companies to exist to make profits, but most of the companies were owned, at least in part, by the military and the government and the party faithful. And they existed not just to make money, not just for a profit, but for espionage against China's enemies. They existed. To acquire technology, to steal trade secrets, to strengthen the country's military might, prosperity followed, but not democracy, not religious freedom, certainly not any friendship to the United States. And now China is doing to us in the marketplace what they could not do on the battlefield. And why? 
because we showed them how it can be done. We tried to build them in our own image and we created a monster. And right now, we are trying hard to rebuild other countries in our image. Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Egypt, Syria, etc., etc. We continue to believe that if we make just one part of them like ourselves, the rest will naturally follow. I guess my rant this week is a warning. A warning to think it through, to think it all the way through. What happened when we showed a billion Chinese people how to run a company? What will happen when you show 34 million blood-feud-loving Afghanis how to organize? What will happen when you show a nuclear-powered North Korea how to become a healthy country? Think it through before you meddle. That is my political rant. Stunning work, man. Yeah, you can really tell the difference when I spend more than, say, 38 seconds thinking about what my political rant is going to be. <laughs> Here I spent however long, 45 minutes, an hour, messing with booby pictures. <laughs> and I'd say you, sir, have your priorities straight. <laughs> and at the same time, you were writing detailed, dense notes, footnotes, about China and America's relationship with it. I am such a piece of shit. <laughs> Well, I mean, God damn it! think about it. If we would have just, like, let China alone to be its own dysfunctional Chinese communist piece of shit, it'd just be a great big North Korea. But no. But why not? Okay, you talk about how we, we are always trying to meddle elsewhere. Why don't we spend more time in, like, fucking Alabama or other places in the U.S.? Why not invest that time and money in our own people? Damn straight. There are states that don't have the economy of California and New York. So right. why not spend time building industry there? Why not invest in our own people? Why not make things better for Americans? Yeah, like Lewis Black says, go to Mississippi, build a big fucking thing. I don't even know what the thing is. Just build a big fucking thing. Like there. a Mercedes plant. Oh, wait. <laughs> that didn't go so good. Because then dumb fuckers pass an immigration law that gets the CEO kicked out of the country. No, no, you do it in Mississippi, not Alabama. Oh, God. Talk about unintended consequences. Man, that's some heady stuff. I don't even think I completely grasped all of that. I'm, I'm not have even to need sure it I again. completely grasped Fortunately, good listeners, you get to rewind right now and listen to that again. I'm going to have to wait until editing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have sprained something. <laughs> Your uvula? Mm-hmm. Are there any uvula like strengthening or stretching exercises I can do that don't involve that? Or a uvula specialist. If you know a good one, email us at steve at bonehand.com. Yeah. In the meantime, let's listen to a tune. This is from 1997's Paying the Dues by the Helicopters. This is Soul Seller.
Once again, that was Soul Seller from Paying the Dues by the Helicopters. Now, you say you're not familiar with the Helicopters. I don't know how that could be. I'm not sure either. You know what? I think the problem is, and we're going to have the problem as you talk about the band, I just see the naked woman on the cover and then I <laughs> kind of go to my happy place. That that must be it. Well, the Helicopters. Now, intrepid listeners of the Bone Bat Show will have heard me speak at length about the mighty death metal band Entombed before. Oh my god, here we go. One of the most ferocious death metal bands to come out of Stockholm is Entombed. And the founding drummer of Entombed was a guy named Nick Anderson, who, after a couple of Entombed albums, went on to form a side project called The Helicopters, which was a completely different type of band. Now, The Helicopters were part of the Garage Rock Revival, which also included bands like The Hives. To me, the difference between The Helicopters and The Hives is that where The Hives were kind of a mix of punk with 60s British pop music, yeah, The Helicopters were a mix of punk rock with 70s hard rock rock and roll, like the Detroit sound, so MC5, Iggy and the Stooges, Kiss to some extent, bands like that. And so you hear this fat guitar sound that is almost reminiscent of what Entombed was doing, but not that grimy and evil, and opening it up with more kind of a melodic thing, but still really fast, really raging, really intense music. And that's what I dig about it. And, you know, for somebody who kind of grew up, you know, in the 70s, hearing stuff like Slow Ride by Foghat or Ted Nugent, you know, that kind of fat guitar tone. This sort of music immediately appeals to me, like smelling something that you smelled when you were a kid and you used to eat, and it's awesome. It's (laughs) almost like like oral memory or something like that, which is really cool. So I dig the shit out of this band. I really like what they do. They were formed back in 1994 by Nick Anderson, as I mentioned. He was joined by a guy named Dregen, who was a guitar player with a band called uh, Backyard Babies, an established Swedish band. And they came together with uh, Kenny Hawkinson on bass and Robert Erickson on drums. And uh, they immediately released their very first single, which was called Killing Allen, in January of 1995 on their own record, which was Psych Out Records. Shortly after that, they released a second single called 1995, and they were signed to White Jazz Records. And then shortly thereafter, they released their debut album, Super Shitty to the Max, in June 1996. The album was recorded completely live in only 26 hours. At, at Sunlight Studios in Stockholm under Thomas Skogsberg. Now, I had mentioned to you before about this guy. He's the producer who created the Sunlight Studios sound of death metal, of which Entombed and Grave and Dismember were all a part of. You may remember me discussing that before. This is I same. think I may have fallen asleep during that. This is the same producer. So this guy really was influential in a different kind of music, and he was the producer on this album. Well, it turns out that the band won a Swedish Grammy for their debut album. And that was the, the opening tune we heard tonight, Gotta Get Some Action Now, 
that was taken from Super Shitty to the Max. Now, how cool is that? That you can have an album title "Super Shitty to the Max" and have it win a Grammy doesn't. That is pretty awesome. Does not happen in the United States. <laughs> no, it does not. Shortly after that, they recruited the guitarist of the band The Diamond Dogs, a guy named Anders Boba Fett Lindstrom, to play keyboards on a part-time basis, and he joined the band. And they started working on their second album, which they did at Sunlight Studios, called "Paying the Dues," which came out in 1997. That was the album that Soul Seller came from. Another really great, hard rock and raging album. Really good stuff. In 1998, the band toured Europe with Glucifer, and they recorded a split album called Respect the Rock America. Due to the stresses of being a member of two bands at once, Dragon left to return to Backyard Babies full-time, and that kind of left the helicopters in the lurch. It was in the middle of a tour. They ended up hiring a couple of guys to hold down that second guitar position until uh, they were to return to the studio for their third album called Grande Rock. And at that time, they added Robert Strings Dahlquist, who uh, ostensibly he got his name Strings as he broke so many of them during rehearsal. Now they had the solidified lineup that would actually last them for the remainder of their career. Additionally, they started working with a producer called Chips Kaisby, who was a well-known producer in Sweden who worked with a lot of big acts there. It was at that point they entered the studio, about 2000, and started work on the album High Visibility, which at that point they started to sand off some of the punkier edges and get a little more polished. They, they still had a very hard rocking sound, but it wasn't quite as punky as the first three albums. And so you, they definitely got a little bit more of a gloss to them, which would continue over the rest of their career. The band then set out on a big tour with the then unknown The Hives as their opening act. Went on a, yeah, The Hives are great band. And then they uh, toured in the United States, and that was chronicled on a DVD called Hello Cleveland, of course, as a shout-out to Spinal Tap. After that, in early 2002, they recorded 20 songs for their fifth album at Polar Studios in Stockholm. That album would be By the Grace of God. Now, this album came out i believe in 2002 and was my favorite album of that year this is a cd that i can put on and just listen to from front to end with like three or four bonus tracks on it and it's freaking great it is just the pinnacle of this type of polished hard rock i love that cd so much and it's definitely worth your time now due to the fact that Liquor and Poker Records has kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. We weren't able to play any of those tunes for this episode. I'm hoping to do perhaps a second Helicopters episode in the future, in which case we'll be able to play some of their later career stuff. But it's definitely an album that's worth checking out. Now, I mentioned to you that they had done a ton of singles, right, in their early years? Yeah. So they've released several volumes, too, actually. CDs called The Cream of the Crap, which are... <laughs> Just collections of those early singles. The word has it that they actually have enough stuff for volumes three and four, but as the band is now currently defunct, who knows if those will ever see the light of day. In 2005, they reconvened to release the album Rock and Roll is Dead, which uh, actually there was a kind of an interesting quote from Nick Anderson on the title Rock and Roll is Dead. He said, I think it's a pity that the best big rock and roll today is played by 60-year-olds. And they're called the Rolling Stones. I mean, something's got to be wrong with that, right? I love the Stones and all, but where are all the young bands? Where's the attention for them? There are exceptions, you know, the Hives, but I don't know. It seems pretty dead to me, hence the title. 
kind of interesting. I mean, when you think about this sort of hard rock, how many bands are there that play that anymore? You got yeah, the, I don't know. The Super Suckers. I the can't, Hives. Yeah, the Hives. But there aren't a ton of bands who have that kind of thing going on. And you wonder, you know, where are the kids going to get influenced? That's, it's an interesting thought. Anyway, they uh, toured once again, their first American tour in three years on that album with the Hives and the Backyard Babies. And then in 2007, they announced that they would be breaking up after their seventh full-length album. Head Off was initially expected to be a regular Helicopter Studio album, but it ended up being a collection of covers from mostly unknown Swedish bands. Kind of the way they justified that was that they were introducing their listeners to 11 new bands to check out after they broke up, but it was not what was expected by the average Helicopters fan. They do have another Greatest Hits album called Air Raid Serenades that came out in 2006. And that's uh, pretty much all she wrote for the helicopters. They did wow, their- that was even longer than my political rant. Was it? I think it was. So a band that, that had a very short career but put out a lot of music and almost all of it is worth checking out. I don't put on the Cream of the Crap albums as often as some of the other stuff. Uh, the ones I listen to most are Super Shitty to the Max. Paying the Dues, and By the Grace of God. All three of those are just tremendous works, but all six of their studio albums are really solid and worth your time. So I hope you enjoy what you're listening to tonight. Swing by Sub Pop and pick up the first three albums if you like what you hear. Support these guys. And uh, who knows? Bands reform all the time, and we may not have heard the last of the helicopters. In fact, we haven't heard the last of the helicopters. Why don't you play a song? Nice segue, dude. Thank you. Thanks for having my back there. This tune is called The Devil Stole the Beat from the Lord from Grande Rock. Second hand, never 
Once again, that was The Devil Stole the Beat from the Lord from 1999's Grande Rock by the Helicopters. Hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Multimedia triage. Triage! So, dude, I have to admit, the last three weeks since the last Bone Bad show, I have been doing nothing but watching films for the film festival. Yeah, I've done a lot of that. My um, entertainment intake has been sorry. Yeah, I don't have a whole heck of a lot I can talk about either. Oh, man. But I did watch Deli Belly. Have you seen Deli Belly? I haven't even heard of Deli Belly. It's a movie set in India. Probably during the filming, they were taking a call from some poor bastard trying to book a trip on Southwest Airlines. I don't know. <laughs> you can watch it streaming on Netflix right now. And it's, it's kind of a fun uh, action comedy movie. Sort of the hangover meets uh, true romance. It's your typical three down-and-out roommates stumble into some uh, organized crime accidentally through a, a mix-up and some mistaken identity and hijinks ensue sort of movie. What was a little bit incomprehensible to me was the entire movie was in English, yet there were subtitles in English. Interesting. So, okay. I don't know. It's great. If was you it there just off. such an accent? No, absolutely not. You, like it didn't. It was, the lock, stock, and two smoking barrels was in English, but their accent was so thick that a lot of it was subtitled. <laughs> was it? I don't know. No, I can understand just about everything. And they did at one point bust into a musical number for Disco Gunfighter. Absolutely <laughs> worth it. The musical number, and I am not much of a song and dance kind of guy, so. Check that out. It's kind of fun. Cool. And I've, I've been reading a book. Nice. 
And I'm going to stop reading the book. Stephen King's 112163. It's a t- Have you read this one? I didn't even know he had a new book, dude. I don't even know I'm if this is you. a new book. The guy makes books like birds make poop. Changing jobs has really hurt my reading. <laughs> well, the this book is a, it's a cool premise. It's a time travel thing where a guy figures out that there's this, this little time portal that sends him back in time, always to the same time, and he do whatever he wants there for however long he wants, and he comes back and like two seconds have passed. So what he's going to do is he's going to go back and he's going to stop the Kennedy assassination. That's the premise. So I'm reading the book. The guy learns about the, the portal. He gets all ready. He gets psyched up. He goes back in time. It's pretty cool. He's clearly done all his research about what America was like at the time. But what's the first flipping thing this guy does? Somehow he decides he has to go to Derry, which is where the book It was set. And if ever there was a more disappointing Stephen King book than It, I don't know what it was. The, the ending in that book was just the biggest pile of crap. What? And it was a giant book. And I, frankly, am through with Derry. Dude, you're going to get your H.P. Lovecraft fan card pulled for talking that shit. That was like a love letter to H.P. Lovecraft, the end of the book. That's what that no, was for. Wasn't. It, he wrote it this absolutely big book. He was. He's like, and then um, the great evil Lovecraft ancient happened. gods. It's, yeah, exactly. The whole thing was a homage to Lovecraft. I don't think so. It was. I don't see it that way. Hey. I see it as just he, he doesn't know how to end a story, and that one was he threw a dart at his bookcase, hit a Lovecraft book, and he's like, eh, there's a giant intergalactic space demon with. Deadlights for eyes. Bullshit. You missed it. Brian Wolford, I need you to ring in on this. School Gordon and let him know what the end of it was about. All right. Be that as it may, I am done with Derry. So the fact that this book had to suddenly relocate to Derry and we're back in Derry again, bleh. <laughs> I also saw a movie. Okay. It was uh, in a movie theater. What? I saw Haywire. Yeah. Really? You had really? you, you you could go to the movies and that was I, what you picked. I got out of the house. What? That's Gina Carano, my friend. Gina Carano. You could look at her and she moved and talked and fought and stuff. It was great. Just the Gina Carano aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. She didn't do it for me. I thought you liked uh, lovely brunettes. I do, but I don't know. She no, looks like a, she looks like a little kid, and I'm not a pervert. Ah, she's a no. <laughs> she's like six foot tall and can kick your ass. <laughs> no, anyway, I, I don't know. It, that was, looked like a. It didn't look like that awesome of a movie to me. But uh, no, in all honesty, Brandon, it's just kind of a fun action flick, utterly forgettable if it wasn't for the fact that Gina Carano was in it. But I gotta point this out. This was a movie. That knew how to do a fight scene. Oh, yeah. Maybe because Gina Carano is a fighter, but they did it right. They didn't put the camera on a spring and then bounce it all over the room while the fight's happening. They didn't set it to an exciting soundtrack and do super over the top special effects with the whoosh and swoosh and smash anytime someone moved. They set the camera in place, maybe moved it around some, but love of God, they didn't do the bouncy cam thing. Thank Jesus. And they 
the, the fights were real quiet. You could hear people breathing. You could hear fists hitting flesh. It was the fights were really close and hard and brutal. It, it kind of reminded me of your the, wedding uh, night the fights at Eastern Promises, <laughs> and that yes, that <laughs> close up and brutal. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny because it's true. <laughs> Anyway, Eastern Promises. Anyway, did you see? You saw Eastern yeah, Promises. Yeah, great movie. Okay, remember the fight scene in the in the uh, shower. The shower. Yeah, yeah. it's freaking like iconic and totally brutal. Absolutely. Yeah, that that is how to do a fight scene. Man, no bouncy cam, no crazy special effects. Just so that's what I saw. Hey, why rent it? It's worthwhile. And that's it. Other than that, I've been watching movies for the film fest. Yeah, same here. I did finish a book. I was reading uh, Tiasa by Stephen Bruce, which is the 13th book in the Vlad Taltosh series. As I've mentioned before, Vlad Taltosh is a reformed assassin and criminal kingpin who is currently on the lam. He is being hunted by the uh, Dragaran government, and he is currently not of fixed abode. And the book is a kind of an interesting story. There's a flashback tale about a scam that he ran in the first third of the book. And then his ex-wife has like a second portion of the book where she is trying to keep him from being killed. And the third part of the book stars his other main character, who is Lord Coverin of the Phoenix Guards. And the Coverin stuff has always had a different style to it. It's written by a historian who really insinuates himself into the telling of the tale. And so it, it has a sort of a, a funny style to it, but I never enjoyed the Coverin stuff as much as I enjoy the Talto stuff. So for me, it was about a third of awesome and the rest of the book was okay. So as a recommendation, I would not necessarily, unless you're a hardcore Stephen Bruce fan, I would say don't pick this one up right away. Pick up the other Taltos novels, which are a lot of fun, really cool stuff, uh, cool capers and whatnot, assassinations and crimes and different stuff. But in this one, it just didn't quite do it for me. I wanted to keep reading about the character I love, and there wasn't enough of him there. So take that as you will. All right, I'll take that. Dude, why don't we listen to another tune? These tunes are so short, I feel like I just need another fix. All right, do it up. This song is Where the Action Is from Paying the Dues.
So, dude, filthy jokes? Filthy jokes. You going first or am I going sure, first? Sure, I can go first. Go first. So this couple takes their young son for his first visit to the circus. And at one point, the father leaves to buy popcorn. And the boy's looking around. And he says, Mom, what is that long thing on the elephant? Well, that's the elephant's trunk, dear, she replies. No, 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 the other thing. Oh, that's his tail. No, no, the big thing underneath. The mother blushes, of course, and says, oh, oh, no, that's nothing. So a little while later, the father returns, and the mother decides to go off and get a soda. The minute she leaves, the boy is all over this, because that was certainly not a good answer. So he asks his father, Father, what is that big thing on the elephant? father takes a good look and explains, well, that's the elephant's penis. Dad, how come when I asked Mom, she said it was nothing? The father takes a deep breath and replies, Son, I've spoiled that woman. <laughs> ah, that was good. Thank you. That was good. So this guy walks into a bar. He's got a black eye. He's missing several teeth. His friend who's already at the bar looks up at him and goes, What happened to you? Because well... Last night, my wife said to me, turn out the bedside light and I'll let you stick it up my ass. He sighs and he goes, to be fair, I probably should have let the bulb cool down first. (laughs) Come on, no one! It's funny, it took me a second to get it. (laughs) Oh, good. I was so busy coughing, I missed the light bulb thing. There's a light bulb in the butt joke. (laughs) I <laughs> don't have enough of those. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> what? <laughs> thank yous. This week I'd like to thank Sub Pop Records right here in Seattle for stepping up in our time of need and delivering the kick-ass music. Thanks, Sub Pop. Our usual bullshit. The show can be reached at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. We've got new content on Bonehand.com every Sunday, including the heavy half hour on non-Bone Bat Weeks. You can find my cartoon weekly, such as it is, at MightyWombat.com. I Twitter occasionally at Mighty underscore Wombat. And I'm pretty sure we have a Facebook page. We do. There is a Bone Bat Facebook page as well as a Bone Bat Film Festival event page. So just search for Bone Bat on Facebook. You'll find us. I am also Bonehand on Twitter, and we have a Bone Bat feed on Twitter as well. So give us a follow. And, of course, if you like what we do, tell a friend, please. Tell several friends. Our closing tune this week is also from 1996's Super Shitty to the Max on Sub Pop. This tune is Born Broke, an absolute favorite of mine. Hope you dig it. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
I need you to tongue punch my dog blossom. 